Hey everyone, welcome back to a, another episode of Divi Chat. We have a super exciting topic for you, as always. We're going to be talking about business, finance, budgeting, forecasting, and owner compensation. This is a super important topic if you are wanting to make money with your business, right? Which should be just about everyone. I don't know if anyone's out there just doing 100% uh, charity projects. Um, and so sometimes the finance topics can get a little bit boring. We're going to try to keep it exciting as possible. Um, if you are a nerd like me and Eric, you get excited about this kind of stuff. I'm a nerd. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully this will be an informative episode. Um, I know all of my knowledge comes from being a U.S. company. I have no knowledge of all the laws and the taxes and then all that for other countries. Sarah obviously can share her perspective being from Australia and Eric can share his experience from being uh, a digital nomad. Although I think on paper, you're just a normal U.S. company, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Before we dive into this topic, let's meet our awesome panels, pan, pan, panelists, and uh, we will go from there. Uh, ladies first, Sarah, glad to have you here. Hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios. It's actually really lucky that I turned up today because I accidentally forgot to set my alarm. And if you don't know, Divi Chat happens at 7am for Australians in the winter. And so luckily, just somehow I managed to wake up. So it's good to be here. You can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. I'm on threads, but do you know what I've done on threads? One really pathetic post. And that's uh -huh. it. And I don't know if I will ever post anything ever on threads, but I'm there. So, you know, you never know. It may happen one day. Nice. All right. Very cool. Um, I am not, I, I claimed my threads, but I haven't done anything. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I claim my threads. I claim my thread. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know about it. All right. Anyway, um, my name is Eric, and I am broadcasting from uh, San Salvador currently. Uh, as Tim said, we, uh, my family and I, the six of us, are digital nomads. We're taking a few years, and every three to six months, we move to a new country, and we're so we're just exploring the world together. Um, my kids are currently down at the pool. Uh, swimming. And so, yeah, uh, this is a fascinating topic. Um, even though the laws change from, you know, country to country where you might be at, some of the principles don't. So principles apply. Um, and yes, my company is a U.S. company on paper. However, um, we, as digital nomads, there are some uh, special tax advantages. This year, we will be outside of the United States for 350 days. Um, and so we will actually be uh, exempt from paying income. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a, insane because yeah. your income is coming from the United States predominantly. Yes. But they so don't it, care about that. Well, they do. Um, but it's a nice thing right now um, that they haven't realized and closed the loophole on. Um, That's insane. Yeah, wow. Insane so, but it just means we can't go to states and we're not any place long enough to establish residency mm -hmm. um, because, yeah. So it's going to be a good year for us in, in that way. But anyway. Yeah. That's Man, awesome. that's amazing. The amount of tax they take. Whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in California in the U.S., so it's like <laughs> just awful. It's awful uh, in terms of taxes. Um, hey, everyone. Tim Streifler here. I'm broadcasting from San Clemente, California, uh, the highest taxes in the world. Um, I don't know if that's really <laughs> true, but they're really high. <laughs> uh, they feel really you, bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me online at divilife.com. Uh, where I have all my Divi plugins, child themes, layouts, tutorials, and courses. Uh, you cannot find me on threads. I've not uh, done that. I've, 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 yeah, I'm not, I'm not good at social media. We actually talked about doing a social media topic for today. And I was like, that's not, I'm that's not I was like, point. I'll be there. But like, um, <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's not, I'm not anti-threads. I'm not anti-Twitter. I just don't really care about either. So. Uh, yeah, there's like this whole rivalry, Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg threads versus Twitter. I'm sorry, X. Can't yeah, that's right. Twitter. Get the name right. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so business finance, uh, budgeting, forecasting and owner compensation. So, uh, we kind of talked about this, um, or, or I guess we alluded to this. So maybe we'll start here in terms of owner compensation. Um, I used to think that when you start a business, so back when I had zero business knowledge, that your business account is just your own account and there's no separation between business and personal. And, and sometimes people do run their business like that. It's not recommended. So why don't we discuss kind of that separation of business finances versus personal finances and then how, what are the, some of the best ways to compensate yourself? salary versus owner distributions, that sort of thing. So who wants to dive in? I know we're going to touch a little bit on how uh, it differs from tax perspectives from country to country. But um, let me just say that as a disclaimer, we are not tax accountants. We are not. This is not tax advice. This is not legal advice. This is uh, just disclaimer, general disclaimer, disclaimer. information. Yeah. Go and talk to a CPA, a tax professional, a someone who has some sort of legal authority uh, for all of your official advice. This is not official advice. Um, so who wants to go first and talk about owner compensation? Uh, I think there's one clear distinction that we need to make, I think, between you guys and me, aside from countries, which is you guys both run companies. Is that correct? Yes. So, and so I don't run a company. And so I think that's a really clear distinction that we need to make. And I'm not sure how it works in America, but in Australia, you're either you're a company and then, oh, sorry, you're the like CEO or you're the runner of the company. And therefore there's very clear distinctions around the way that functions. But for me, I'm a sole trader. And so a sole trader is someone who is running. So I have an Australian business number, an ABN. So I'm an official person who's allowed to run uh, business things and ask for money under my ABN. And then that ABN, I have to tell the government what money I have received and then I have to pay them money. And so it's all still very official, but it's not a company. It's just me as Sarah Oates and Endure Web Studios is my ABN. So it's still... Seems to the world like a company, but from a technical perspective, it's different. And so technically that bank account that we're talking about is my bank account. So it technically isn't the company's bank account because it's uh, the government just sees it all as my money. However, 
my strong, very, very strong standpoint is you should have a separate bank account and you should treat it like a company, even though you are not a company. And so from the very beginning, for me personally, I have treated that bank account like it isn't my own bank account. So even though technically it is, and even though the government sees it that way, and even though the tax system, I have to treat it that way. I have a separate bank account. People put that money into that. I don't spend money from that bank account unless it's for business purposes, unless I accidentally do, which I've done a couple of times, but then I have to treat it like I paid myself. <laughs> so I like mark it as um, my pay basically because I accidentally paid myself and therefore I'm paying tax on that thing. So my strong opinion is you should treat it as if you're a company, even though you're not a company and have a completely separate bank account where only money gets spent from that is for business and only money that comes into it is for business because it makes your tax so much easier. Like aside from anything else, aside from it making it clear what what the business has and what the business doesn't have, it just makes tax simpler. <laughs> and you can invite an accountant into your zero file or whatever you choose to use and it's not gonna be a big stressed thing. Yeah. So that's the way I run my business. I know some people don't, but I really strongly advocate for it because it's going to make everything simpler, but also it can actually help you do what we're going to talk about today, which is budget and actually work out how are you going to make your business sustainable in the long run, which in the early days is really, really tough. And maybe everything that comes into that bank account is going into your personal bank account. But it sh in my opinion, it should still come via that account rather than just straight into your personal bank account. So that's just a distinction because I know you guys are running companies and so there will be some yeah. differences in the way that that functions because you have to have a separate account, whereas I don't yeah. have to, but I think you should. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. And so here in the US, we, we call it sole proprietors, which is yep. anyone can just go and start a company. You don't have to go and file anything with the government. Um, local laws are going to vary. You might need a local business license, but you can essentially just as a person, a citizen of the United States, you can just start a company as a sole proprietor. Um, yeah, and right. so I think that sounds very similar to what you're saying, Sarah. And so, yeah, when I first started, that's what I was. I was just a sole proprietor doing web design and I, I got the separate business account as Sarah mentioned and, and recommended. And I 100% am on board with that. And, um, and then a little bit later, I got to the point I had a CPA and so he was looking at my my finances and he said, hey, you would actually save some money if you set up an LLC and then you make uh, you do what's called an S Corp declaration and then you get an, an EIN number from the government, like which is a, a tax, a tax number. And so basically what that is, is like Sarah, what you said, it's now an official company. It's not just me running yeah. it as a sole proprietor and then. I'm a single member LLC, so I'm the only owner of it, but the money gets paid to the LLC and then I pay myself and I pay myself through two different means. One is with a salary and then two through owner distributions, which is essentially like taking profit from the company. And so, um, and I'll let Eric- So we I have different words. So just to quickly clarify, in yeah. Australia, just in case, it's called a company, you'll change it to an ACN instead of an ABN, Australian company number. The recommended amount is around about 230,000 income. Um, so overall money coming in at that point, your tax benefit is that you should change over to an ACN at that point. 
um, and you would you don't have LLCs. We don't have that thing, but you would you know file for a company. And then I think the only difference is the other thing is called dividends. Um, dividends. Is when okay. you take profits. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and we'll talk about the benefits, but I'm going to let Eric talk and and and, uh, and share share how he does does it. Yeah. So very very similar. Um, and so I I think what I would say to people listening. Um, starting out is I, I, I heard a, a quote, uh, I don't know, about two months ago, and I've been re-quoting it um, a lot uh, since then. And I don't remember who said the quote, um, but uh, they the, the quote is, um, don't go into it, grow into it. And so just the idea again of like, you know, if you're just starting out, don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Don't be overwhelmed with like, oh my gosh, I, I haven't got any of this stuff in place. Um, grow into it. It, it, it it's okay. Uh, but but I think it's important to start with the end in mind. And what I wish I would have realized from the very beginning um, is that I was, um, I, I I was I, I was building an asset that had value whenever I'm done with it. Um, I could sell it, um, I, could, I could give it away to, to my kids, you know, whatever. But a, a business, even a book, if you've got, you know, two people on a hosting and maintenance plan, that is, a, that is an asset that is worth money. Um, and you could, you could sell that. Um, and so I think starting with the end of mind and, and stepping back and going, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not creating myself a job. I'm I'm creating an asset, something of value. I'm building something that one day I'm going to be able to do something with it. And you don't even need to know what that is right now. But when you look at it like that, it helped me go like, oh, I really have to keep things separate. So when it comes time to to hand this off as part of our succession plan, um, it's very clear what we're handing off, what we're not um and and keeps everything separate and stuff so we i i started out the same i started out as a sole proprietor um and then became an llc with an s corp um and so i i have the same setup now um with with tim uh all the income goes into the we we have we we bank at two separate banks so my wife and i we've been in with one bank for years and years and years um and uh so that's we we have our personal bank there and then we have our business bank all the business money goes through that account and twice a month i get a paycheck um and it runs through a, um, we use adp it runs right through the payment processor it, it pulls out you know my taxes um and in the usa we have to pay a thing if you're a w-2 employee you have to pay a thing called fica so even on me because the government's going to look and you have to pay yourself a reasonable wage, which is basically what what is the minimum you would pay somebody to do your job if you weren't doing it? Well, the government's going to require you to pay that to yourself. So I pay that uh, to myself and then the rest we bring home and we make up in owner dividends and bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's awesome, Eric. Um, so I guess some of the benefits of doing that, and again, this is from a U.S. perspective, uh, I can't, <laughs> can't speak for other countries, but in the U S at least the reason why we do 
what Eric and I are doing, which is we have an LLC and an S corp, and then we pay ourselves a, a, a reasonable salary. And then we pay additional through owner distributions or dividends. The reason for that is you save money on taxes, uh, self-employment taxes. So when you're a sole proprietor, you, any money you bring in, you're paying money on uh, that taxes with the exception of, of write-offs and all that. Um, and so you're just, you're paying all the self-employment tax. And so when, um, you kind of separate it and you say, okay, I'm an LLC and then I pay a, myself a reasonable salary, right? That's, there's a big kind of, uh, very, very subjective on, on what's reasonable, but the goal is to keep it as low as possible while still being reasonable. And then you pay less on taxes. So then the owner distributions, you're not paying the self-employment taxes on the money you pay yourself through owner distributions. You still pay income tax on it, right? It's not just like free money, um, but you pay, you don't have to pay those, those employment taxes on it. And so, um, so that's, that's the huge benefit. And so, um, so some people, what they try to do is they pay themselves like a, you know, a thousand dollar salary a year, which as Eric mentioned, is not reasonable. You have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. And so those are like the, the those, you know, loopholes with the IRS that they they'll come and they'll audit you because they'll see that, Hey, this person is paying themselves $99,000 in distributions and a $1,000 salary. That doesn't make sense. And so you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary so you can make your case if you ever audit, get audited. And so the way I look at it is, okay, what would I pay someone who would be doing these similar tasks as Eric mentioned? And then, you know, I pay bottom of the barrel market pricing, right? But at least it's, it's backed by something. And then the rest of my payment can be through owner distributions, which is, uh, doesn't have those additional taxes on it. Did I say anything that didn't no, make I, sense or incorrect? Okay. No, that's, that all sounds good. The, and, and the other benefit to it is this, um, you know, if, if I go outside, I mean, yeah, we, every, literally every single day, we feel an earthquake in San Salvador in the last 365 days, they've had over 3000 earthquakes, literally every day we feel an earthquake. Um, and so if I'm outside and there's an earthquake and, and I get crushed, um, but my wife and my family all live, um, this is our, this is their life. Like, this is how my family lives. This is the livelihood by having, a, um, it built into the operations of our, of our company that somebody's getting paid to run this. My wife can immediately hire somebody to run it but she's still bringing home the owner dividend on the other side and then plus life insurance and stuff like that. And you can get in, we, we have a thing called key person insurance. And so there's a, we carry a, a, a key person policy on me. If something happens to me, um, the company gets a, uh, uh, an insurance payout and they can use that money. Marissa can use that money to um, hire, somebody to facilitate the sale she can use it to hire somebody to run the business um um or she can sell the business and anything that's remainder out of that comes home as is is life insurance and key person insurance is, is is extremely cheap so if you're doing this and you're married you got to step back and think about that side of all of it as well how are you using this as a as something that is going to be you know uh, you know useful to your family if something does happen to you. None of us like talking about this, but you, you it's never too early to think succession planning for your business. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Um, so yeah, one last thing I wanted to say is with this type of setup, when your company, um, Sarah mentioned in Australia, it's $230,000 is when you want to go that direction of, of having a separate like company, um, in the U S I don't know, cause it varies probably state by state. Um, but talk to a, a tax professional and they'll tell you whether or not you should remain a sole proprietor or form an LLC with an S corp election. Um, but one of the things that I find really useful is doing this, uh, this shift is it's not just a shift on paper, but can also be like a pretty important shift, a mindset shift in that you start looking at your business as a living, breathing entity and not just something that not, it's not just a job. Right. And so then you start making decisions that's best for the business, not necessarily only best for you. And so, um, yeah, having that mindset shift has been really helpful for me because I look at it as two different things. There's and my, my business on paper is Tim Streifler LLC, but there's Tim Streifler LLC, which is Divi Life and other projects I have that fall under that umbrella. And then there's Tim Streifler, the person. And so I pay myself Tim Streifler, the person with a salary. And then as the owner, I also get those distributions. But having those two different uh, essentially roles where there's the owner and then there's the employee, I can... Um, yeah, it's just at least for me helpful to ha have that distinction um, where I start thinking of the business as being a living, breathing entity and not just. And there's nothing to stop you going earlier, right? So it, it's a decision that you can make at any point. There's this other marker for Australian sole traders where once you hit $75,000 of income per year, you need to start paying GST, which is an additional 10%. So any money that comes in, 10% of that you have to pay to the government. Um, but then anything you purchase that's, that also charges GST, you get to claim that back. So say I buy, you know, a computer, it's $5,000, $500, I get off my GST, if that makes sense. Because it's kind of this like reverse trading within Australia of this extra 10%. But once you hit that 75,000, you have to start charging GST. You can start charging it whenever you want because you sound bigger than you are. So if you're not anywhere near reaching $75,000 income, you can still register for GST if you want to, when you've only got 30,000 coming in, because it makes you look bigger. And hmm. the same, if you want to become a company earlier, you can do it. Like there's nothing to stop you doing these things earlier. And I know one of my friends that I was working with, he, he registered for GST well beyond before he needed to, because it just made him look bigger by saying, yes, I charge GST. It made him seem like a bigger company. But an important thing to note, as soon as you hit that 75,000 income, you have to start paying that GST that month, even if it's midway through the year. So just keep that in mind if you're Australian. So you want to be ahead of that. And if you've already sent out your invoices without GST, you just have to pay the 10%. Like, and you didn't charge your clients that extra 10%. So you get hit. So you want to be ahead of the game. So mm -hmm. you start adding the 10% to your client so that you're not hit. And all of a sudden you only got 90% for that, those invoices while you're catching up to the fact that crap, I have to pay GST. But yeah, my point is you can do it early if you want to. I could go to a company now if I want to. Um, and then I'm just ahead of the game. Maybe it makes me look a little bit bigger and that's also okay as well as the mind mindset shift. Yeah, definitely. Sarah, can you throw uh, Sean's question up? Oh, sure. Um, so, uh, we didn't actually, 
answer this. We basically said talk to a, a professional. Um, and the reason for that is there's a lot of factors in play. So like uh, a for, tech professional. I'm going to interrupt. For people that yeah. are, are listening uh, and not <laughs> watching, can you, can you read the question? Oh, good point. Yeah. So I got in late. So maybe you covered this, but I should shift to pay yourself a salary versus just taking owner's draw. So um, yeah, this is one of those non-answers, which is uh, it depends. Uh, talk to a, a tax professional um, because it's going to vary in, in the U.S. state by state. And then also there's other factors, right? There's there's costs associated with the formation. Um, there's costs with run, you have to go through and run payroll. Uh, as Eric mentioned, he, he uses ADP. I use uh, QuickBooks payroll. Um, so there's some additional tax uh, or uh, uh, costs associated with it um, in addition to just the overall whether or not it's beneficial from a tax perspective. So, um, But the essential thing is you pay yourself a salary when you're a company. Well, in Australia, this is the case. I don't know. You pay a company, you own a straw when you're a trader. And so it's really that question of you become a company rather than what, what's the difference. Is that right? That's right, right? Like the technical term for me is owner's draw it's or like drawings or something like that. But I call it a, a salary. Like I technically pay myself a salary, but from the government's perspective, I'm drawing money from my business account. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes? I believe no? so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, so even if you just take a draw, you're going to pay income tax on that. Yeah. What uh, and so you, you need to still record that you need to report that you need to set money aside for that. Um, e either you personally or the business needs to be setting money aside to cover mm -hmm. that when, when the bill comes because your business can pay your tax bill. That's fine. Um, but again, at what point do you officially set yourself up as a W-2? I think it depends on, you know, in your classification. I mean, we had to the moment we switched to an, an escort. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know. So, but it's worth finding somebody to, to talk to. And there are a lot of great uh, tax, Here, but here's the thing. What you don't want is you never want a tax accountant that tells you at the end of the year to that you need to go buy a piece of equipment to save on your taxes that the math you, the reason you don't want that as your accountant is because they don't know how to do math um <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're you know and so you're never going to spend you're always going to end up spending more money i would rather park that money in retained earnings and pay a small percentage on it and you know so why why would i go spend five thousand dollars you know to 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 save you know a a thousand dollars it doesn't mean, I'd rather have the $4,000. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Now, if right. it's a legitimate thing you need. Something you need, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, then go for it. So find out first, like, you know, when you're talking to a tax accountant, are they, you know, like trying to, you want somebody that tries to find every legitimate tax deduction, but if they're going to be at the end of the year, like, you know, ask them, what should I do at the end of the year when I have leftover money? The, the right answer should be, um, invest it, put it in retirement. Cause you can, you can put a lot of money in retirement for yourself and your spouse. If you're married, which is great. Um, put it in retained earnings. You know, that is, I love, I love putting it in retained earnings. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, 
Um, and but if they're like, oh, you know, go go buy a houseboat so you can have staff meetings on it, so you have a tax write-off, they're an idiot. Don't hire them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends uh, what size business you have. Like, if you're a sole trader and your like income is, I don't know, twenty thousand per year, and you do need a laptop and they say like well you've got this money you could do it before the end of financial year or later like my only point is it very much depends like five thousand dollars to a small business who's earning i don't know fifty thousand compared to someone who's bringing in a million is going to be really different and so obviously the way you save on tax is going to depend but that's where you do you go talk to an accountant and an accountant is going to help you make better choices and probably not for this financial year but realistically for the yeah. future financial years that's when you want to be making the decisions so you're setting yourself up for the full year for example in australia they're starting to make rules around you have to track how much you use your computer well, that's really hard to do at the end of the financial year. And so if you can set yourself up with timing that auto tracks it, then you've set it up at the start of the year. You don't have to think about it. And then at the end of the financial year, it's not a big deal. But if you think about that in the last month, it's going to be stressful or like tracking your kilometers when you go to client meetings or whatever. If you're doing that over the year, way less stressful than trying to backtrack and think, what meetings did I have? Where did I go? I don't know much harder yeah absolutely yeah for a lot of reasons build a relationship with a really good tax yeah. professional ideally cpa and they're going to give you guidance not just on whether or not you should form an llc with an s-corp election whether or not you should be a w-2 employee uh but then also uh with all of these things for for planning tax planning yeah. sheltering income and don't be afraid to change it's okay to change accountants it's not a big deal like it really doesn't matter and it's okay if you're not happy shop around that's your yeah. right you don't yeah. have to feel bad we're you can we're change. on our third and we're actually looking to change um yeah, right. not because we don't like that we really really like the guy we're with he doesn't understand um expat taxes yeah. and, and stuff yeah. like so we now need somebody that has a different level of expertise um yeah. and we're on our second bookkeeper uh, we just outgrew our, our first bookkeeper and, and moved to one that only works with agencies and she's been amazing. Nice. Yeah. That actually brings us to a good, a good, uh, kind of segue into the next topic, which is like budgeting and, and bookkeeping and, and those sorts of things. Um, and so actually I, I like for 95% of things that aren't like my core, like focus of running my business, I outsource. However, bookkeeping is one of those things that I do myself. I don't do it uh, regularly. I usually do like months and months at a time playing catch up. <laughs> but the reason I do it is I like to see every dollar that I've spent, right? I, I like to like have that. Yeah. Basically, it's like every single transaction I'm going to see twice, right? Once when I make the transaction and then a second time when it's uh, that amount is glaring back at me through the screen of like, here's how much money I just spent. And so for me personally, this isn't for everyone. It helps me stay accountable. It helps me identify um, additional money that I don't need to be spending, um, subscriptions that I need to cancel, that sort of a thing. Um, and I get to evaluate every single transaction. Is this something that I should continue spending money on? Or is it something that can be removed in my business? Um, 
overall, I'm a firm believer in uh, it's easier to generate more revenue than it is to try to save your way to wealth, right? There's like That's sometimes good. people talk about budgeting and like, here's how you do this and this. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can maybe save a little bit. Uh, but if you're trying to uh, gain generational wealth, uh, you do that by generating more revenue, not by trying to save your way there. Um, however, with that said, doing my own bookkeeping is like the one thing I do to try to uh, eliminate costs, focus on profit and, and, and kind of stay ahead of the game. Um, so yeah, but that's not, that's just for me personally, um, that I like to do. Cause it's really not that hard when you're using a tool like QuickBooks and it auto pulls everything in. Um, and then, so I had my CPA help me get set up, get my chart of account set up of all the categories and everything. And then, and then I, I just kind of took over from there. Um, and so like, I literally don't think I've done anything for 2023 so far. So I have a lot of catching up to do with the first half <laughs> of the year. Um, but that's okay. Uh, once you kind of get the, get the swing of things I can bust out the entire year in like a couple hours, because you can just bulk approve the same charges. Um, so anyways, but Eric has a bookkeeper, so he doesn't like to do it, uh, himself and that's okay too. Well, our, so our bookkeeper is a little unique in the fact that she's not doing the bookkeeping. Um, so she, <laughs> we pay her, but she doesn't do anything. Right. No. So we pay her um, as a consultant. So we pay her 50% of, you know, less than what we were paying the person before that was actually doing the bookkeeping. Um, but we are right now paying Nancy uh, a monthly fee to be a consultant. So Marissa and I, that's my wife, we meet with her once a month. Um, nice. for about an hour and a half, two hours. And she is, you know, she just answers questions. She asks nice. us a lot of questions. She's helped us reorganize the books, but every Monday morning at 9am, Marissa and I, we have a business meeting and we sit down. Um, it's a three hour long, one hour meeting, um, scheduled every Monday. <laughs> so, um, but part of it is looking at QuickBooks. So we go in, um, we look at things, we, you know, just you know, reconcile, you know, uh, cloud, cl cl classify all the transactions um, and, and stuff like that. And then look at, you know, money we've set aside, things we're planning for, and then budgeting. We're working to get to the point where we have an 18 month rolling budget. Um, we're just at three months right now. Um, it's new, you know, we've only been doing it for a couple months, but our goal is to, continuously be adding so we're looking out 18 months into the future on on budgeting but it, it, it took us a, a you know a few years to get to this point um but but we just we have to be doing it at, at, at this point so it's a little bit different um for us because of the size we're at but you know looking at those numbers every week and spending time in it it's how we do it and so we're actually doing our own bookkeeping yeah it's been really really it's been great having Marissa at the table as well. Um, yeah. Now she's just in, she she's completely in the know of of every penny, and she you want to talk about accountability? <laughs> having <Yeah. your> wife, <laughs> why are we paying for this? I, I uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and cancel that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, I like that. So your, your bookkeeper is essentially, um, I might've missed, missed that part when you explained it. Uh, she's overseeing and, and making sure you're not screwing stuff advice. up. Advice. She's giving advice. She's our consultant. Every once in a while, I'll run into a problem and she'll go in and say, oh, I fixed it. I did this journal transfer and, and things like that. But she's more so right now she's helping us, um, 
so she we've redone our our chart of accounts and so now we're tracking cost of goods based upon cost of goods website build cost of goods hosting and maintenance cost of goods digital marketing services and then we're we're also recording our our income that way um and is it you know so we have we have all these different income line items and then even salaries like a percentage of my salary goes to each of, of those because what she's helping us do is really understand our profit margin per service. Mm. Um, so then we can make decisions. It, we, we only need to do that because we have multiple services. Um, plus we have other brands outside. So it's not just our web design business. It's in transit studios, the lead factory, family of dashes, we're working yeah, to get right. into some real estate. So it's it's a lot more than just the web design side. But even on that, under you know, now we're able to look and say, we make this percentage profit on hosting and maintenance, but only this percentage of profit on website builds. We let's let's work on that, things like that. Smart. Yeah, love that. Um, awesome. Okay, so budgeting. How do we budget? I'm not good at this. I'm I'm good at uh, looking back. Uh, I'm not as good at looking forward with the budgeting and the forecasting. So I'm not going to leave this topic. I'll jump in. But um, I can Sarah, definitely talk about this, uh, yeah. like from a sole trader perspective, particularly because it's kind of different in some ways. Um, but for me, I think the Mike McCallowitz uh, factor has come along. So I'm I'm going to be ten years this year into running my business, and I would say for the first eight years, maybe seven years, I basically ran my business with whatever came in, we used <laughs> because that's the way you have to, right? Like my yeah. income, if you look over the years, I always get excited at the end of the year. So I've used zero for my finances since year two. Year one, I tried to do it all by myself. And then I went to do my tax and I went, this is really hard. And so I forked out the money for zero. And ever since I've been in zero and that makes it a lifesaver, but seeing the reports at the end of the year and seeing that income slowly go up every year has made a massive difference to my enthusiasm to keep you on going. But uh, one thing Mike talks about is the fact that we kind of have this way of thinking where any bit of money, we consume it, whether we consume it personally, whether the business consumes it, we just somehow consume it. And it's not until you start planning that you can think differently to that. And I think I very much ran my business like that for the first seven years where any bit of money that came in, I used what I needed to on the business. And then every bit of other money came into our bank account because I just needed our family to get money. And that's the way it went. And we kept growing. I did always have a amount of money I wanted to pay us, but I always increased that as the business was growing, I would increase it before the business was ready, like every time, because I felt so much pressure to give our family money. And then a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I decided to try the profit first thing. And honestly, as a sole trader, like it's the biggest thing I can recommend to anybody because it massively changed the way I saw money. Not so much. I mean, the whole system is as money comes in, you kind of, I have this spreadsheet where as money comes in, you just categorize all the things. So I've got like this kind of Excel sheet I chuck in. So say like $2,000 comes in. I do this weekly because I find it useful to keep on top of it. Um, but as money comes in, say $2,000 came in, it would automatically distribute all the money 
so GST, which is that 10% straight away, $200 is going to go to GST. Um, $1,800 is the real revenue. So like the bank already took the 200, so or the government took the 200. So I've got 1,800 left. Then we've got profit is $36 and that slowly builds up. And the idea for me, I'm only taking 2% profit because my business can't handle more than that. And then 47% is going to be salary. Then we've got super. So that's retirement. I think you guys talked about, um, and then tax. So putting aside money for tax out of that $2,000, every single time money comes in and then expenses, I give my business 30% for expenses. So having some sort of system that allows you every time money comes in that you pre put it in places so that then as you move forward, you have money set aside for expenses. You have money set aside from for salary. And by doing that, I, I started to build up a buffer and I was stopped taking money. Um, Sean's just asking, is that software? It's not software. It's a book called Profit First. You can do audio book. You can read the book. Honestly, it's the biggest game changer that I had for my business. And while, yes, my business was still growing, I suddenly built up a three-month buffer worth of money, which was revolutionary for my business. And so it meant that suddenly I had this bit of money where I knew that in three months time, even if no more business came in, I was going to be able to pay our family and I was going to be able to cover the business expenses. Well, this year in December, January and February, I had to eat up that three-month amount of money. And I didn't talk about it here because, you know, who wants to say my business is failing? But the this year there was a, a, a like collision of COVID had given a lot of small businesses money. So the government gave a lot of small businesses money and that money started to run out. And at the same time, the interest rates started to go up and all the small businesses decided I don't want to spend any money. And so it wasn't just me. I discovered, thank God, I talked around. Everyone was struggling and all of a sudden no one was spending money and all of a sudden no inquiries came in and I had to eat up that three months. Thank God I had it, right? Like this is exactly why we're talking about what we're talking about because if I had have still been running my business the way I was running it three years ago, I just would have been dead in the water in January, like straight away. And so having that three-month buffer meant, okay, I can eat that up while I try and work out how we move forward. And then March came and all of a sudden things were back to normal. And now I'm working on building that buffer back up again. And if you don't have that buffer, you can't, you can't do this thing of like budgeting ahead. You can't know what's coming up and you can't hit that road where crap, like there's no inquiries. What do I do? Do I have to go get a job or like, how do I manage this? You've got enough of a buffer. I'd love to have six months. Like that's my goal. I want to get to six months or even a year worth of buffer. And that's where, um, that idea of at the end of the financial year, are you just going to spend that money that's extra in your bank or are you going to save it as your buffer for the future because you might need it and something might come up or you might get injured and you don't have the insurance that, you know, covers it or whatever and you need yeah. to take six months off. Do you have the money sitting there ready to go? So anyway, that's my big pitch for um, Profit First. I only started it, right. I don't know, two or three years ago and it saved my butt this year, like hundred percent saved my butt. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'm like the anti-budgeter. I don't, budget, <laughs> and I'll explain why. Um, but Eric, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? No, go ahead. I, I really want to hear what you have to say. 
So, um, and, and my business is different than um, everyone here being a, a product business. Um, I'm not selling services. So uh, I've been, you know, since Divi Life started, I've been focusing on, on scaling. And so um, the reason why I don't have a budget, a couple of things. One, I am so focused on, on growth and scale. And so, um, you know, spending money to make money type of mentality. However, every single dollar that I spend, I consciously think through, is this a good investment? Am I going to see a return on it? Um, and is it necessary, right? Because sometimes people will try to sell you something and say, well, the cost doesn't matter because you're going to make back, you know, five times this. And it's like, okay, well, the cost does matter because if there's an alternative that's going to get me the same result that's cheaper, I want to do that. <laughs> and so opportunity cost does come into play. So I think through those things, every time I'm spending money, that way I'm not, I don't just spend like crazy. Um, I am careful about how I spend I'm frugal. I'm actually more frugal with business funds than I am personal funds. Um, and so I actually keep um, like the majority of our money in the business. I only pay out personally um, when we need money, essentially on top of my, my, uh, my fixed uh, employee salary. Um, and so, uh, and then also, as I mentioned, when I'm doing my bookkeeping, I'm seeing all those expenses again. So I'm having to, to you know, reevaluate everything. Um, so, yeah, so I don't budget. Um, when it comes to marketing, I do not have a marketing budget because I'm a firm believer that as long as the marketing, and this is really easy to track with, with like paid advertising, for example, as long as your paid ads are profitable, your marketing budget or your advertising budget is infinite, right? So as long as you're getting money back for every dollar that you spend, you can spend an infinite amount of money because you're always going to be getting it back. Obviously, that's not going to remain true forever. We're not going to yeah. get into ads <laughs> and how market saturation and all that. But um, essentially, that's kind of what I'm doing. And I spend an insane amount of money to, to Google and Facebook on ads, but it's because they're profitable. So I don't think through, oh, my... Uh, exceeding my marketing budget is like, no, there is no marketing budget. You know, as long as these ads are profitable, if it's not profitable, if they're not making me money, they're losing me money, then I'm going to kill them. And then, um, kill the ads just to be clear. Not, okay. I was going <laughs> to, not the people. And then obviously there's other marketing expenses that are not so trackable, right? Not so like you can't see that immediate return on investment, whether or not it's working or not. Um, and those, you know, are more of a, a judgment call, you know, am I going to see a return on my investment in the long term? Yes or no. So I, that's kind of just my mentality is I, I don't budget. Um, luckily, my business is at a point where I, I do have an excess where I can kind of think through those things uh, without having to actually have like a fixed budget. Now, if uh, and that's because I'm in this like growth phase of my business, if I get to the point where, okay, where, you know, we don't think I can continue growing at this rate. Uh, now I'm going to focus on like scaling things back and refining, you know, the money that we're spending. And, and, but you know, that's when I would bring budgeting into the equation. I don't recommend that, uh, for those that are building websites for clients to take my approach of like throwing budgeting out the window. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's at least the way I think about it is, um, you know, just focused on, okay, every dollar that I spend, do I need this? Am I going to see a return on my investment? If I pay this person, am I going to be able to take what they're building or designing yeah. and leverage it to make more money? If not, then I'm not going to do it. So there's a, uh, a quote from the office. Uh, Dwight Schrute says, anytime I'm about to, to do something, I think, would a stupid person do this? And if the answer is yes, I don't do it. 
uh, <laughs> business as well. Um, um, so, when, I'm sorry. So I, oh, I, I was passing on to Eric to. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to mention that I use a, an actual budgeting software as well. I forgot to actually mention that, but I do. So I use Zero, right? And it has budgeting functionality in it. But I find it very confusing. It's not the way my brain works. And my family has used a budgeting software for years and years called You Need a Budget, YNAB. YNAB. And it's fabulous. It has auto feeds like zero where your money can come in, but it basically allows you to kind of have, you can kind of separate your whole life into all different categories. So we have like, we have like a whole fitness category, for example, but that's then se like separated by karate and rock climbing and, you know, like all the different things. And so we can kind of track for our family. It just is the way my brain works. So I just made a budget for my business as well. The auto feeds come in. Technically, it means I'm doing my finances twice in Zero and in YNAB, but in very different ways because I actually have a budget set up for my business. So I know annual expenses. I know every July there's going to be these particular expenses or every August there's going to be these particular, but then I have like just monthly expenses and I have like a pot of money that's available every month for these things. And that's what's building up over the three months. And it'll even tell you, you've got 67 days worth of money available. And so you kind of know, okay, that's where I'm up to. I'm two months ahead. That's fabulous. It does the work for me of telling me like how, how am I going at saving my money? And their theory is you give every dollar a job. As the money comes in, you want to make sure that that money is attributed somewhere and then you stick to where you attributed that money and then you can actually build money up. And it's not like you see, I've got $10,000 in the bank. This is amazing. Let's go spend it. But in fact, you see, I've got $10,000 in the bank and all of that $10,000 has a job, even if the job is business savings. That's its job. And so you've given that money a job. So just like as a... I forgot to say, that's how I budget is actually through YNAB. And technically I do my finances twice, but it's because that's how my brain works. And I need, I need to, because otherwise I just see zero and it says, you've got $10,000 in the bank. And I think, wahoo, that's amazing. And then I forget the government's about to take seven of that thousand next month for my taxes. And so then I freak out and go, oh, I thought I had $10,000, but I don't. Um, so for me, I need to do it twice but you may not No, So it's all good. So we started out, um, with profit first, um, for the first couple of years. And, and I, and I highly recommend it. Um, I, I think profit first is, is really good, um, up to a certain point. Um, and yeah. we just, we just kind of outgrew it. Um, so we, we do budgeting. Like I said, we're in the process of building out uh, eventually an 18 month budget. We've got a budget set for the next three months. Some of our line items are much further out. But we've got some big things we want to do. Um, so we started bringing our team together once a year. Well, the first year we did it, we were in um, Istanbul, and our team consisted of a guy in Bulgaria, so which is right there. So it wasn't that big of a deal to bring, you know, uh, Peter and his wife over to Bulgaria. Um, next year, because we bring our the uh, everybody that's a full time team member, them and their spouse. Um, next year we're currently looking at bringing uh 12 people together in september well covering flights for 12 people all from all around the world to bring them to albania next september is going to be expensive and so th there's 
so we've got these big things we're needing to plan for some you know computers down the road uh and things like that so we had to get our budgeting under control um so that we could plan for these things and then start saving money um and setting money aside and you know we've got this money we're saving for this stuff like that so we still kind of do the same thing when we go to set the budget like when we look at each month's budget we we know we're going to have to set aside money for taxes we know we're going to have to set aside money for um a lot of fixed expenses you know uh salaries um you know we've got fixed fees and you know we're gonna have to pay our server for our server every month like boom that's so we've got all of our our fixed cost in there we now have fixed recurring revenue so we know what what's going to be in those line items so we're going to put those in there and then the rest of it budgeting is a guess i mean that's what it like and anybody that tells you like it's 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 an it's a guess the first time you do it it's gonna suck like, <laughs> it's gonna, you're gonna be way off um and then the next month it's gonna suck a little less and then the next and then yeah. eventually you're gonna get into a, a you're, you're gonna start to a see things um and overcome seasonal adjustments and flows and have retained earnings that puts you in a position to to take advantage of opportunities to cover slow months um uh things like that because you i don't i don't recommend using debt um you know even you know a line of credit for to cover cash flow seasonalities like i i just i i don't like debt um so it, it takes a little bit of time. We use QuickBooks um, and then we keep notes, separate notes, because the one thing I don't like about QuickNotes is we'll we'll put money in, in a line item and then the next month I'll go, why did we budget $1,500 for this? Um, and so we have to keep a separate spreadsheet so that I we can open and Marissa goes, well, we said we needed 500 for this, 300 for this. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, because I just I forget from month to month why we need so much in a certain certain line item, um, but that's that's how we do it. It's getting easier every time we do it. Um, you know we can, and sometimes a lot of the budget line items there's a little blue button. You can just hit the blue button and it sends that number all the way across to the end of the year, um, and so you just set your chart of account ups to to have signed at the same thing like a main category subcategories and and then stuff like that so i think it's just a matter of having a well thought out chart of accounts so yeah and i think the one thing that we've all got in common is even though we do it really differently we're on top of it like for all of us we're all consistently thinking about how we're we spending money whether that's in the moment or like retrospectively going why am I spending this every year? Let's stop that for next year. Or whether that's kind of coming ahead and going, okay, well, I need to plan for this $300 that's going to come out in August. So we're all thinking about how is this working? What do I need to have happen? Are these good expenses? I think the worst thing you can do is just kind of let it happen and just kind of run with it and just go oh, like, oh, I don't know, like the money just had to come out and I just, uh, and then your tax comes and you're in debt and, you know, those, that's the bad way to do it. Whether or not you choose to have an Excel sheet or whether you choose to use different software or whether you retrospectively like go through every single dollar that you spend and work out, was that a good way to spend my money? If you're not on top of it, and you just decide this is too hard, I don't want to face it. I think that's the worst way that you can approach it. 
And really, it's the same thing that we talk about email apps or project management apps. It doesn't matter which way you do it. It doesn't matter which program you use, whether you use Zero or QuickBooks or whatever. It doesn't matter. All that matters is you pick one, you work out a plan, you work to the plan, you review the plan, you decide is the plan working. If you need to, you switch, but you don't just switch because someone else is doing profit first. You switch because you realize what I'm doing isn't working and I've decided that is the way that I'm going to move forward and then you move forward. I think when you fail is when you switch 500 times or when you just decide it's all too much and I don't want to face it, like it's too hard. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I was just going to say the same thing. Consistency is 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 key, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so we're currently using um, uh, Entree Leadership Elite um, is something that we've joined uh, by Dave Ramsey. We use the, you know, we used Financial Peace University years ago, my wife and I, to get out of debt and get our personal finances um, straight. Um, and he has a, an app kind of like um, you need a budget called Every Dollar that, Marissa, Marissa manages our personal finances, um, and and has for years. And she tried. Why did she just? She hated it. She loves every dollar we pay for it. I I don't know how much we pay per month, um, but she she absolutely she calls it the green app because the icon is green. I pray they never change the color. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Dave Ramsey's stuff is is really really good, and it's all about. You got to do one of one of his big things is you you got to do different things at different stages of your business. Um, mm -hmm. And so knowing what stage of business you're in, that lets you know the things you got to work on at that time. And and Mike Michalowicz talks about the same thing. You've got profit first, but also fix this next. Well, he's got the the higher like so again, like Sarah said, it doesn't matter. Like go yeah. buy every book of Mike Michalowicz and just do what he says. Go buy <laughs> book of um, Dave Ramsey and do what he says, or wait until Tim's books are out and do what he says. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, Just I'm gonna need uh, Eric to consult on that. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, actually a little bit over time, but maybe we could say um, a final thought each. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I mentioned that I, I look at every expense twice, right? As I'm making it. And then again, on my, my QuickBooks, I realized there's actually a third. Uh, technically, this is the second. Seeing it in QuickBooks is the third. And that is, I, I look at my my bank account, my transactions on my phone, like almost every day. Um, and so I do that for a couple of reasons. One, I want to see, okay, how much money is in my bank account? Um, and then also, I want to see what are some of those recent transactions that have gone through? I'm like, oh, dang, I meant to cancel that crap. Okay, well, that's on me. Um, or but like, sometimes oh. email them, right? Because sometimes they will give it back to you. That's true. It's yeah. worth a shot. Very true. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, I, I can just kind of think through those transactions. Um, so I think to, to Sarah's point, even though we go about it very differently, we all are we all are on top of it and thinking through it and making sure that we're not overspending and i think having that mindset uh is is really key um there's a there's a uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um a saying um a quote uh what you measure gets bigger right so what whatever you're currently like 
focused on? Is it your bank account? Okay. If you're constantly looking at it, right. And obviously you're doing things to make it get bigger, right? Um, naturally it's going to get bigger, right? If you're focused on leads and you're always looking at right, when I'm getting leads and then we're going to do this to get more leads. Well, naturally your leads are going to increase whatever you focused on and you're, that you're laser focused on is going to increase or decrease if you're trying to lose weight or work on your golf score or something, but whatever you're, you're focused on is naturally going to, uh, get better. Right. And so, um, but turning a blind eye and just like waiting until your tax guy, uh, tells you how much money you owe and how much money you made or didn't make is just the worst way to go. So even if you don't consider yourself super financially savvy, just start getting familiar with the finances and getting in a really good rhythm with what that looks like in terms of using QuickBooks or using zero or, or whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, just getting familiar with looking at it is going to be the first step. Yeah. And, and I would say start while your numbers are small. I know it can be really hard. Cause I was, I was there and you were looking at it and you're like, well, but you know, if I set aside this, you know, no, if I have to set aside, you know, 20% of this that comes in for taxes or 15%, like, oh, that $250, I really need that. Or, well, what if I pay myself a, a salary and I got to pull the the retire or the, the, the FICA out, you know, stuff like that. Well, that's, you know, that's a couple hundred more dollars. And, and I really need that right now because we're not bringing in a lot. It, I, it'll be easier when we bring in more money. <laughs> no, because when you're looking there going, what do you mean? I got to put $20,000 over there. <laughs> like, you know, that does, that's not enjoyable at, at all. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's not any easier cause it's a, it's even harder. Cause you're like, Oh, imagine yeah. when you do that. So prove yourself worthy in the little, and, and then you'll, you'll have proven yourself to be able to handle the bigger. And I'll just say, I am not self-disciplined at all to be able to do any of this. I had to have somebody do it with me and we're not to the point yet where we can, we have somebody on the team to do it. So that's why my wife um, is, I mean, because we, we see our business as our retirement fund. Like this is our retirement plan. So it has to work. And like, like Marissa, it, Marissa says, all, like this has to, it's our groceries. It's our kids' medical bill. Like this has to work. Um, and so having that meeting once a week with her is, I mean, that's been the biggest game changer for our company. Yeah, that's awesome. And we've always talked about like, if, if you have a weakness, then find some accountability in that area. Like, you mm -hmm. know, either get someone else to do it or get someone to keep you accountable for doing it. So I think that's great advice. Um, my final thought is reviewing is really good. Um, which sounds really stupid, but I find it very helpful. I've talked about timing and like being able to look at the end of financial year and work out how much did I actually earn per hour? Like, I love that geeky stuff of working out how many hours did I actually work at my computer and that's auto tracked. So I don't have to think about it. How much of that time is profitable versus admin, which is not profitable particularly um, or directly profitable, but then going into zero, spending the time setting up your reports or whether you pay someone to set them up if you find them overwhelming. But having your reports, I love during the year going in and being able to have a look at my reports and work out how am I going this year? at this point compared to last year or compared to the last five years and being able to see how things are going when things were really bad in 
the December, January, February, it was around about end of January that I realized things weren't looking great. Being able to go into zero and go, where's the issue? Okay. Graphic design is okay. My maintenance, that's fine. No one's dropped off. What has dropped off? New web builds. That's the only thing that's changed. And actually it was really reassuring because there was this moment of like freaking out and thinking my business is failing. And then looking at it and going, no, it's this one part of my business that has suddenly stopped bringing in money. It's the most profitable part of my business. (laughs) What am I going to do about it? And then I could take action, but I could take action directly based on that specific set of data. And I had that data because it was in zero and because I was able to look back at previous years and go, well, what's changed? This specific thing has changed. How am I going to, do I need to like sidestep? Do I need to find another way to make up that money? Do I need to like, you know, working that out? I couldn't have done it without the data. And I would have just thought my whole business is failing, but it wasn't true. My whole business wasn't failing. People just weren't willing to spend money on a new website in that period of time in Australia. So I think data is very key. And if you don't know how to set up the reports, pay someone to set up the reports because it'll be worth it in the future. Totally. Awesome. All right. Well, we are over time. uh, So we'll go ahead and end here. Thank you everyone for uh, who's here live. uh, And thank you everyone who's listening later. Um, If you are here live, please do us a huge favor, hit that like button. Uh, that helps us out. Um, and then whoever wants to leave us review uh, is going to get a big virtual hug from every single panelist. So you can do that by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Divi chat. Um, I believe I got that correct. Um, but yeah, leave us a review. You'll get a shout out and then you'll get something else as a bonus. We don't know what that is yet, but you will get it uh, if you leave us a review. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll give you books for a year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. I can't even do my own books. <laughs> uh, behind. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Take care. Bye-bye.